We're talking Senior Bowl standouts, Giants Need, Saquon Barkley, and Daniel Jones, all with special guest Justin Pennick of Talking Giants. That's coming your way next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Chen. I'm your host, and I am joined today by Justin Pennick of Talking Giants, one half of the dynamic duo with Bobby Skinner. He is back from the Senior Bowl. He is here. We're going to talk Senior Bowl. We're going to talk Giants. We're going to talk about a bunch of things. Justin, it is fantastic to see you again. Patty, you're getting me like at the height of like my ultimate Chia Pet stage of my hair. (laughs) And I mean, how cruel of a sport is football, whether the team is really bad and the Giants are firing everybody. And then this year we're thinking, oh, they made the playoffs. Nobody's getting fired. Everybody's good. The season ends. I haven't even like gotten a chance to take a breath and really appreciate like how awesome that season was. You know, we were down in Mobile and Alabama. And then even if you're not fully into the senior bowl, there's still like every day you're waiting for, you know, maybe some Saquon Daniel Jones extension news, or you're waiting for Wink Martindale or Mike Kafka to get a head coaching job. And you're on the edge of your seat with that. So isn't even when your team's not firing everybody and they're hiring everybody, this sport is still so cruel that we can't even get a chance to appreciate that the Giants won so many games this year. They won a playoff game, and we can't even appreciate that because football, nope, on to the next thing. So I'm happy to be here to talk about all of it. I know. I I was just thinking that last night. Last night, uh, um, I actually had a few hours downtime, and I was actually doing something that I wanted to do. And I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking, gosh, I go seven days a week still, and it's the (laughs) offseason because there's just so much to talk about. And Justin, let's let's start off talking about the Senior Bowl. You know, now the Senior Bowl game, we're taping this on Sunday for Monday show, but the Senior Bowl game was played Saturday. You were down in Mobile for the entire week. Let me get your overall impressions on on, uh, what you saw, what position groups stood out, and how they align with the Giants needs. Yeah, so really the the main thought that I have stemming away from this week isn't necessarily what stuck out, it's what didn't stick out. I was hoping I would come away from this week being a little bit more invested in one or two wide receivers that I had circled in terms of being invested with them with the Giants taking them at 25. I did not come away from this week of the Senior Bowl loving and being in full bloom love with the with any specific wide receiver, especially when you talk about first, second round for the Giants. So I was a little disappointed in that, but there are still a lot of wide receivers who I am very, very interested in for the New York Giants. But the position group that I did fall in full bloom love with was the offensive line and specifically the interior offensive line and a lot of guys that were at the senior bowl. And we can we can go through a few of those there. And I don't know if it's necessarily the 
interior offensive line that they stood out because they had a very, very weak interior defensive line group this year at the senior bowl. It was not like last year where last year you had like Federe Mathis, you had Neil Farrell Jr. You had John Ridgway, you had Travis Jones, who was a second or third round pick by the Baltimore Ravens. So there were a lot of talented interior defensive linemen last year for the senior bowl. Wasn't the same case this year, but it gave the chance for the interior offensive linemen to stand out. And then also, as I talked about how some of the wide receivers disappointed me, didn't come away loving them, anybody in particular, but the cornerbacks were very good. And there were a lot of corners who fit what the Giants and specifically what Wink Martindale requires, that is being long, press man, aggressive corners. So I was very, very excited to see how some of the positions that maybe I wasn't expecting to stand out, interior offense line cornerbacks, I really wanted those wide receivers to stand out. So... Patty, let's let's talk about a few. What position do you kind of want to start with? Do you want to start with wide receivers since that's like the big conversation topic for the Giants? Yeah, let's start there. I yeah. think that that's that's a pretty good one. I mean, there were a few names that I heard had pretty good practices, mm-hmm. but you're telling me that nobody really just jumped out and said, "Hey, here I am." So, well, who, who did you like? Well, it was Rasheed Rice, Xavier Hutchinson were the two main guys that you know maybe the Giants could target them with 25. You know, the, that was at this point of the year, it's. It's very just like, hey, let's just have fun with talking about how this guy can fit in this spot. It's not really like nobody, we're not fully circling and pen anybody that the Giants should be taking. But Rasheed Race and Xavier Hudgeson were two guys that were kind of realistic, right? And those two guys are, as of right now, not, I'm not really circling them in pen and pen at for pick 25. Rasheed Rice, I thought he was going to show more juice throughout the week and then same thing with Xavier Hutchison very inconsistent weeks weeks for those two guys uh, Rasheed Rice really did bounce back day three and had a nice day three but two guys that were unexpected two guys that were really unexpected at least for me was Michael Wilson from Stanford and then Jaden Reed wide receiver from Michigan State Jaden Reed I thought just on a production basis had the best week out of all of the wide receivers at the Senior Bowl. Now, it's it's worth noting, Jaden Reed from Michigan State, he was on the national team, and the national cornerbacks were not as strong as the American cornerbacks for that second practice of the day in Mobile. So you do have to take that into account a little bit, how the national team, even though the national team won the game, I don't think the national team was as talented as the American team. Uh, shout out to Patrick Graham, led, led his team to a coaching victory. <laughs> um, but... Jaden Reed uh, was just catching deep balls all week, looked fast, looked explosive, was gaining the most separation. And then even Michael Michael Wilson, wide receiver from Stanford, was doing a very similar thing. Big plays, big touchdowns, gaining separation. The thing about Michael Wilson and why I think the Giants may stay away from him is because he's had some injuries and he's had some season-ending injuries. And I think Joe Shane has uh, taken uh, an initiative on getting guys that are, I think that D and dependable, right? Being dependable, being on the field, being available. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that you're all your rookies are going to be healthy as we saw in this year's draft class. None of those guys miss games ever. And then like everybody missed games besides Micah McFadden. But um, I do think that's a guy that he stood out in mobile, but the giants may uh, stay away from him. And then Nathaniel tank Dell, you know, hey, if you want to talk about somebody the Giants could possibly target, Nathaniel Tank Dell is like the slot wide receiver who's like really small. He's like 5'9", he's like 160 pounds. We know that even from Brandon Bean and Joe Shane, Joe Shane's days in Buffalo, if, even if they take one small slot wide receiver, they're willing to stack it up and they're willing to take another one, like Cole Beasley, and then they took Isaiah McKenzie. So the, even though the Giants have Wando Robinson on the team right now, doesn't mean that they're not willing to add another small wide receiver. Nathaniel Tank Dell 
had an awesome, awesome week. I think the environment of the Senior Bowl in terms of 1v1s, it really was able to highlight his explosivity. I think it was able to highlight his quickness and his ability to gain separation, those 1v1s. Uh, so the environment of the Senior Bowl really did help him. But, man, did he look really, really good, really, really polished. And he looked like through the first two days, I think the third day, he sat out of practice just because he's like, I don't need to prove anything else. I'm I'm good. I'm going to stay healthy. I think throughout the first two days, he was just – he looked like the best wide receiver out there. But there is that caveat of he's like 160 pounds, and that's really, really light. Yeah, definitely. All right. Now, you you mentioned – great rundown, by the way, of the receivers. And Dell is a name that, that I know I – you know, just in following along, uh, he's the guy that stood out. But let's talk about cornerbacks because mm. I think it is very possible, and it's early now, but this is just my my guess, that if the Giants are staying at 25, maybe they go cornerback. And mm. I understand that the cornerback class is really, really deep this year. Who are some of the names that you thought stood out that maybe uh, the Giants might be looking at? Yeah, a corner is one of those positions where I'm extremely scared of drafting them, at least – high end in the draft with like those high value picks first, second round. Um, You know, this is partially my PTSD as a Giants fan, just looking back at some of the corners that we've taken high previously, but you don't want, I think the Giants, especially with that, let's just say DeAndre Baker pick in, in 2019, I think the mistake that they made there was they took a press man corner and then they put him in a zone scheme. That was the big mistake that they made and they did not kind of adapt to that corner strengths. There are corners, at least at the Senior Bowl, who are long pressed man corners, kind of like I said at the top. So Caillou Blue Kelly, cornerback from Stanford, um, was somebody who stood out to a couple of my colleagues down in Mobile, Alabama. They really talked a lot about Caillou Blue Kelly. Um, his it is pronounced Caillou, <laughs> like like the like the children's character. And I think he actually was awarded uh, one of the the top corners of the week on, I believe he was on the national team. And then Tyreek Stevenson, cornerback out of Miami. He's a guy that's, you know, he's not even, he's not even long in terms of like height wise, but he's six foot and he has like these 32, 33 inch arms, which is crazy. It's like a cornerback that's built in a lab. Another guy that can kind of play press man. He had a really fantastic week, made some really good plays on the ball. And then Darius Rush, cornerback out of South Carolina too. Um, Those are three corners that I think the Giant, I don't know when necessarily in in the draft, but those are certainly guys uh, that had good weeks in Mobile. And I think they can translate pretty well to the Giants defensive scheme. Hopefully Wink Martindale's still here. Yeah, hopefully we'll find out probably in the next week or two. But all right, I got to ask you about a position you didn't mention, but this is a glaring need, in my opinion, linebacker. Mm. Who st- First off, what did you think of the linebacker group? And is there anybody in particular that stood out that made you think, okay, maybe a day two, early day three pick for the Giants? Yeah, linebacker is one of those positions that – uh, when I'm down and when we're down in Mobile, it's so tough to kind of get a full eval on them because when you're in when you're in a run session, when you're in like a run team group, then the linebackers know that the run is coming. So it's tough to eval. But a guy that was flowing sideline to sideline, making some plays, was Cam Jones, linebacker out of Indiana. He was flowing sideline to sideline, making plays. Bobby Skinner pointed him out. And I also want to bring up Ivan Pace Jr. because that's been a lot of guy. He's been a guy that's been a topic of conversation as the year has just went on. And I think you know, obviously, there's a Cincinnati connection with Darian Beavers. Play with Darian Beavers. Um, and there's kind of like those comparisons there just from being the same school. But Ivan Pace Jr., he's a lot shorter than we kind of thought that he would be. I mean, he's 5'10", which 
even like, you know, which ha- which has us thinking, should Ivan Pace even make some sort of transition to safety? So Ivan Pace Jr. is a guy that Giants fans have been talking about a lot. It's very, very small for a linebacker, but Cam Jones, linebacker of Indiana, is a guy that we should definitely be on the lookout for, and we should be, uh, you know, researching a little bit more now that uh, Senior Bowl week is over. Okay, all right. You mentioned interior offensive line. Yes. Now, center is a huge position. A guy that I like is that John Michael Schmidt, mm. who uh, he has played center. None of these guard converted to center thing. And I could see the Giants, and I don't know if you agree with this, but I could see them maybe bringing back John Feliciano or Nick Gates, play center for a year, transition to a young center who, you know, maybe is a day two pick. Right. Um. You know, I mentioned Schmitz. Who else did you like on in, in terms of the interior offensive line? And how do you kind of see that shaking out? Because they do have Glowinski. He'll be back next year. Left guard, I think they wanted Izudu to be that guy, but injuries kind of derailed him a little bit. How do you kind of see that shaking out? Where do they go? Man, John Michael Schmitz, you can make an argument that he was just the best player like this week in Mobile, Alabama. And he, I believe he was on the American team. So he was going up against some of the, the tougher competition, which made me feel about, which made me feel better about the week that he had. So not only just one of the best linemen, I think he was just one of the best players in Mobile, Alabama this week, but I am very in, I'm so in on the giants taking an interior offensive lineman in their first 101 picks. I think that third round comp pick that's coming from the Chiefs, I think that's pick 101. So I'm very much in the Giants with one of their like four top 101 picks taking an interior offensive lineman. Uh, you know, even though it may not be the the biggest need, I do think it is a, a need because the senior bowl proved to me that this is going to be a class, an interior offensive lineman class that is worth taking and is worth dipping your toe in maybe even a couple times. Um, you know, there's Cody Mock, interior offensive lineman from North Dakota State. He wasn't snapping the ball all that much this week, but I, he was just the best offensive lineman on that national team. Emil Ekier Jr., interior offensive lineman out of Alabama. He, I actually went down to the Iron Bowl, and I wasn't necessarily like – had my scouting brain on per se, but he was just a guy that stood out. He was moving, he was moving well. He understands leverage. He understands where, he, where he needs to be and where he needs to place his defender. So the play can be successful. Tyler Steen. I put an offensive lineman designation on him because the first two days of practice, he was lining up a tackle and then they transitioned him and they were putting him at guard, putting him in the, in the interior. And Tyler Steen from Alabama was really, really playing well on the interior, really being aggressive, really putting guys down in the dirt. Osiris Torrance, interior offensive lineman from Florida. He's also a center, a pure center. Um, he is a guy that, you know, I think it was just seen this week as a consensus, one of the top offensive interior offensive linemen in this draft. He had a solid week. And then also one of my favorites too. I he's like almost up there with John Michael Schmitz for me. Steve Avila, interior offensive lineman from TCU. Believe he was a guard, but they also had him snapping the ball um, as well. You know, during this week in Mobile, I really loved Steve Avila in the week that he had, specifically in in one v ones. And there was even a play in team drills where there was a screen and he was really moving well out in space. Which, as we know, I think with this kind of newer offense where we have a Bobby Johnson, Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, they like their offensive linemen and their interior offensive linemen being athletes moving well in space. You know, they they run outside the tackles, they'll run those screens and stuff like that. So those are some of the interior guys that really, really stuck out to me. Um, and I think this is a draft that if it's if it's crowded 
at the senior bowl, I think it's also going to be just a crowded draft in general. And the Giants should definitely be considering some of those guys. Yeah, for sure. And they need, they can use the depth. Absolutely. This episode of the Locked on Giants podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user's manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. That's why seeking therapy to help you navigate through life's ups and downs can be your first step toward overcoming these challenges and learning productive coping skills. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient, secure, and accessible anywhere. 100% online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match yourself with a therapist. And if things don't click, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. There's no more waiting rooms or traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Get unstuck with BetterHelp. Learn more and save 10% now with your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on. Hey, Giant fans, we're really excited about our new sports betting partner, FanDuel, America's number one sports book. FanDuel has so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. Download FanDuel now so that you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. This is kind of a weird question because I think, and and we'll talk about Daniel Jones coming up in a little bit, but I am of the opinion the Giants are going to look to draft a developmental quarterback. You know, Davis Webb, I I don't think is coming back. I think he's going to transition to coaching. Tyrod Taylor's under contract for one more year. I think historically, if I'm not mistaken, the Bills used to draft a quarterback or have a young quarterback, whether it be a draft pick or an undrafted free agent that they could develop. Mm-hmm. Do you Did you see any quarterbacks that maybe, you know, said, oh, OK, this guy might make for a good developmental prospect? Oh, man. Um, you know, it's funny, Patty. It was actually a good part of this week where we were talking about the quarterbacks, like evaluating the quarterbacks and how they were throwing the ball in 1v1s, how it's actually a positive for the wide receivers because the quarterbacks were really not that spot on this week. So it's a tough week because you're working with wide receivers that you haven't been working with. You're working with coaches. You're working with schemes. You haven't really been working with the one guy that was down here that I actually really wanted to play was Hendon hooker, but he suffered a season long injury, but he was meeting with teams down here in mobile and he went through that, those interview processes. So it was a bad week for the quarterbacks. Doesn't mean that none of them are going to be good. Um, I would have also loved to see Will Levy's come down here too, but he was not down here. Right. Okay. Was there any other position group or anybody else from a, a position group we haven't talked about that just jumped out at you and said, hello. Yeah. Uh, Payne Durham, uh, tight end from Purdue. Uh, the first two days he showed that he was an incredible, incredible blocker. Um, and I'm of the belief now I'm fully on this train of, I don't want, this is not a shot at Evan Ingram. This is kind of just a a shot at the thought process of kind of maybe bringing him on. And then the system that you want to run, 
I want a tight end that can block. And even if you're a little bit slower, even if you're a little bit, you know, even if you're, I call you a thumper, even if you're a little bit of a thumper and you can't give me much juice after the catch or much juice as a route runner, I'd rather have that blocking element of your game because when you're in the game, I don't want you being a liability. And I don't want that being a telltale sign to a defense that, oh, this is a player that I can attack, or this is a sign that they're just going to throw the ball if you're a weak blocker. So Payne Durham through the first two days showed that he was a very, very good blocker. And then the third day, he had an amazing day as a receiver. There was one team drill, and I ca- and I was able to capture it on camera. I got so piped and stoked that I was able to capture this. Um, they were they were running all four verts, four verts, and I believe the uh, the 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 American team was running or the national team, excuse me. They were running out of twelve personnel, four verts. Payne Durham was double covered in the back part of the right right corner of the end zone. He goes up gets the ball, holds on to it. His helmet comes flying off and, and he holds on to it. It secures that catch and was running kind of well down the field too. Payne Durham is not fast. He is kind of slow, but the way that he was running down the seam was better than what I thought he would be. And he was getting more separation on some out routes when he was running one V ones than I thought he would, than I more separation than I thought that he would get. So Payne Durham tight end out of Purdue is really the one tight end that did stick out. I think he was the best tight end um, out of both teams this week, best tight end in Mobile, and I definitely think the Giants should be on the lookout for him. Okay, interesting guy that I'll have to take take a look at. All right, now, Justin, I want to pivot over to free agency a little bit, and we got to talk Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Let's, yeah. st- let's start with Daniel. I think, you know, the Gi- I mean, the Giants have said they want him back. Mm-hmm. There is debate, though, as to how much per year, how long of a contract, and so on and so forth. What do you think makes the most sense with bringing back Daniel Jones as far as a contract and APY? APY. Um, man, he's going to have to be paid around the that that middle tier, right? That where, franchise tag, I would think. Yeah. 32. And I think it's the same thing with Barkley, where I think that's how the Giants are approaching it with Barkley of, you know, flirting around maybe a little bit more than the franchise right. tag. And I think it's going to be the same thing for Jones. Uh, Patty, I'm going to be honest. I'm not I'm not that concerned about the 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 average annual value. I'm more concerned about the years. It's it's the years that you're tied into Daniel Jones with the guaranteed money. I saw, you know, a, a report where it was like over five. I don't know if I want that long-term contract where it's five years, because then if you're tied to him for all those years, which would be good for Daniel Jones, but it may not be good for the Giants if things don't necessarily work out. What I'm rooting for, and this is kind of a standard, I think this is kind of standard in the NFL for a lot of things. I'm rooting for a three-year deal with an out after year two. Does yeah. that benefit Daniel Jones? And is that what Daniel Jones's camp wants? I don't know. I probably don't think so, but kind of, I think that is realistic for both sides to get a three-year deal, a lot of guaranteed money. That's what all the quarterbacks are signing for. If they, if they sign a deal, that's $90 million, then guess what? They're probably getting like 85 of it. Cause that's what these agents are doing these days. So I'm rooting for a three-year deal and out after year two, give me a lot of guaranteed money. I'm fine with that. Cause that's what these quarterbacks are getting. Um, but I do want the Giants to have that freedom of even if Daniel, if even if they want to move off of Daniel Jones sometime within these next few years, they could still draft a quarterback, develop that guy, and then once Daniel Jones's contract is over, that's it. But if it's like a four or five year deal, 
I don't know if you're talking about the Giants can still draft a quarterback and upgrade the position, even if they want. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And, you know, and, you know, APY, they can they can inflate that. There's easy ways to do that. Right. So, so you know, and I'm going to cover that at some point on the show and also on Giants Country. But um, with Daniel, I totally agree. You know, short term deal. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you got to do five years because you have to spread out the signing bonus. That's the old way of doing it. You go yeah. and you look at how things are done in Philadelphia and Buffalo, where Joe Shane and, and uh, Brandon Brown come from. They do things a little bit differently, a little bit more modernly with the salary cap. And I think that's yeah. what people need to take into consideration. But let me ask you this about Daniel Jones. You know, everybody, but the numbers show that he improved. But a lot of people, myself included, say, okay, you know, this was his first year in the system. You know, for what they asked him to do, which primarily he he stuck with his first reads a lot. He was good. So what's the next step? What what do you need to see from Daniel as far as progress in year two of the system to say, okay, yeah, I feel a lot better. You know, I feel good about him now as a, as a potential answer, but I will feel a lot better if he shows this in year two. This offense needs to be more explosive in particular in the passing game. They, again, I did not think that I would be saying this after the abysmal 2021, but again, they were bottom of the barrel, the last team in the NFL in explosive pass play rate. Now that makes what Daniel Jones did number one, and it makes Brian Dable and Mike Kafka's job even like the job that they did, did this year is even more incredible when you consider that stat that they were last in the NFL in explosive pass play rate. Um, so that's what Daniel Jones needs to show next. Where I do agree, for especially for the large majority of the year, like 75% of the year, Daniel Jones was doing what Brian Gable and Mike Kafka were asking him to do, and they were not asking him to do a lot, and that's fine. I don't want to – that's not on Daniel Jones. And frankly, a lot of their coaches shouldn't be making their offenses more more complicated, way complicated. And, you know, the, the, the days of John Gruden – remember that clip with Chris Sims and John Gruden of you know, all the, the plays? It takes you two minutes just to read off a play. Th- making an offense more complicated and then, an off- and then a quarterback thriving in it, I don't think that's necessarily a sign of, oh, this quarterback is just more superior than everybody else. It is about coaching. It is about sometimes dumbing things down. It's about scoring points and winning games. That's what it's about. And the way that Daniel Jones proved that he should be here at least next year, at least for the near foreseeable future, is by winning games and it is by scoring points. And they did that this year. But the last quarter of the season, and I think it really started with, it kind of started with the Sunday Night Football Washington uh, win that they had. They didn't score a ton of points in that game, but they started throwing the ball on early downs. And they threw it on early downs a good amount. And Daniel Jones, and that's when this offense started to be way, way more productive. Um, the the uh, the Minnesota loss that we had, that was an awesome, awesome game where there was like five or six 20-plus yard passing plays. They threw it a lot on early downs. And then remember when Saquon Barkley was struggling through the middle of the year? Guess when Saquon Barkley got better? They got better when they were throwing more on early downs and they weren't playing. They were staying ahead of the sticks. They weren't getting the third and long. Daniel Jones took less sacks when he was facing less third and longs. So throwing it on early downs and putting the offense in Daniel Jones's hands like they did through the last quarter of the season, that's the part of the season that I hope can be trans- transferable to future success. But it has to include more 20-plus yard plays because if there is one area that you can criticize Daniel Jones in this year, there were a few times, more than a few times, where 
He had guys running down the field open, and he didn't pull the trigger. Got to pull the trigger. When Darius Slayton's running on a streak wide open down the field, you got to kind of pull that trigger. Explosive pass plays, uh, they directly lead to points, and there were too many of those that were kind of left on the table this year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and part of that was, you know, the receivers that he had to work with, you know, get him an explosive receiver where they're going to get it. I don't know, because the free agency class is just right now, not very strong. The draft class, you know, mixed opinions on that, but nobody's sitting there saying that there's a bonafide number one receiver or that this class is loaded with bonafide number one receivers. So I'm not, you know, that could explain why Joe Shane said, look, you know, is it, is it, you know, a must he kind of downplayed it a little bit yeah. when he spoke to the media at the end of the year. But, you know, the other thing with Daniel Jones that he was able to do, and I think this is important. And a lot of people ask me, you know, oh, is this, a, you know, a, an exception rather than the rule? He was able to stay healthy for all the games mm-hmm. that he was active for. Um, you know, going back to the contract issue, Justin, I mean, it, does that weigh in when you say shorter term deal? Because, you know, you, you just want to see him stack on top of what he was able to do this year? Patty, uh, I forget on the top of my head, but I can't. How many games did he play in the month of December before this year? I think he might have matched how many games he played in the month I of December so this year than his entire career, his entire, like, you know, three year career yeah. before this. It, it, it kind of, it kind of, it, it drops your jaw a little bit. Injuries are so, I'm, I'm not going about Daniel Jones's, con- even though I think the Giants should. And this should be a thing that they look at. Like, listen, you've only played like four games in the month of December before this year. But at least in my brain, I'm not going about it looking looking at it like that. Daniel Jones has that toughness. Um, you know, he he has that. He He works hard. He has that ethic. He wants to be out there. If it was a guy that, you know, oh, I just, I don't believe that Daniel Jones actually wants to be out there. I don't believe that Daniel Jones is the first guy in, last guy out. I do think that stuff matters 100%, especially when you talk about, okay, now I'm going to be financially tied to you for years to come, not just with the draft pick and getting you on the cheap for a couple of years, but financially tied to you. I think that stuff matters about being a hard worker, looking to improve. When you get that paycheck, are you still looking to improve? I think Daniel Jones will. So injuries are so hard to predict. You know, if, if you were to really put me in a corner, I would say that Daniel Jones would have missed two years, uh, two games this year. Again, just because that's been the, the precipice and that's been the known uh, throughout his entire career. I'm glad he didn't, but you know, just being a hard worker, knowing that he's going to take care of his body. That's what I put more consideration to, at least as a fan. Hey, giant fans, if you're looking for that special one of a kind statement piece, or maybe you're ready to pop the question and you need the perfect engagement ring, you can find jewelry as unique as that special someone in your life at BlueNile.com. Reach out to Blue Niles consultants who will help you select the right item. Or if you're looking for an engagement ring, use Blue Niles online tools to select the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting style. Blue Niles diamond price guarantee allows you to compare a competitor's diamond against one of theirs, and they can even meet or beat their price. Every order ships free, is insured, and arrives quickly in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Right now, you can save up to 50% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com for up to 50%. BlueNile.com. 
Hey, Giant fans, thanks so much for making the Locked On Giants podcast your first listen every day. Subscribe to Locked On NFL podcasts and get daily conversations on the biggest NFL stories, including in-depth analysis on the biggest games with NFL key predictions every Friday. And on Monday, local insiders cover the weekend with game-to-game episodes. Locked On NFL available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Giant fans, I'm on social media, as you probably know. You can find me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Traina, T-R-A-I-N-A. But I'm also on Instagram. I have two accounts actually over there, at Patty, P-A-T-T-I-T-R-A-I-N-A, which is where I post videos, audio clips, and other fun things related to the Giants. And the Locked On Giants podcast has its own Instagram account. It's Locked On Giants. Be sure to follow us, check us out and interact with us. And we hope to see you on social media. All right, let's talk about Saquon. Mm. There's a report that that, uh, the Giants wanted to sign him for about 12.5 million, which is reasonable in my opinion. That puts him in the same category as a Derrick Henry um, and and a few other guys, a Joe Mixon and, and Adams, you know, a few other guys. There was also another report that he or his representatives are looking for, to pay, have him paid around what Christian McCaffrey is getting, which is about 16 million APY. I don't see that happening. I'm sure you don't as well. What is, where, where do you see a reasonable amount for Saquon? And, and, you know, if you're the agent, put yourself in the agent's shoes. If that's mm-hmm. indeed what they're looking for, how do you justify 16 and a half million or 16 million APY when McCaffrey just has so many better numbers in so many other categories. The way that you justify it from an agent's perspective, right? I'm not saying that this is what I would do if I were the Giants, but there will be major backlash if Saquon Barkley is not a Giant next year. There will be major backlash. Now, from the people that are in like the nitty-gritty every day and understanding that running back value and running backs after a certain age, they really, really fall off, understanding all of that, right? I, I I get it, and I'm frankly on the boat of you know I I would not mind if Saquon Barkley were not was not back in a Giants uniform next year, but there will be major backlash because Saquon Barkley right now, not to the extent Odell Beckham Jr. was, but the the same stance of Saquon Barkley is the Giants, like the he is the main face of the New York Giants right now. You know, you could say oh Daniel Jones quarterback, but that's it's not the same. It's it, it, Daniel Jones does not have that kind of that superstar swag. And that persona and the influence that Saquon Barkley has. So I really think that that's how I'm playing it. If I'm the agent, it's yeah, you know, our running backs and it, it, are they being devalued right now? You know, $12 million. Is that the fair? Is that the fair one? Yeah. But that extra $4 million may be worth it because the fan base and how invested the fan base is on Saquon Barkley. And, you know, they're going to hate if they see him, even if it's for one year. They're going to hate if he goes to another team and he balls out and he has a really good year. So that's where I think the agent will play it. That Saquon, There's more to Saquon Barkley than just being a football player for the New York Giants. There's so much more to it. If they take that approach, that's a weak approach in my opinion. <laughs> well, that's is. the one that I – well, then I how mean, would you uh, – I'm interested to hear your your thoughts on that because how – you uh, obviously you've covered way more contract negotiations than I have. I haven't even – I don't cover anything. So how how would you approach it if you were like Barkley's agent? 
Not, well, look, I mean, I don't blame the agents for wanting to get the most money. I totally get it. It's their job. And I, and, and your, your approach, you know, what you just outlined, you know, it's, it's, it's one that I could see being used, but you know, if you're the giants, I look at the, the production and I put an article up on Giants Country and I said, okay, yes, Saquon finished with more rushing yards this year than, than McCaffrey, but McCaffrey's a better route runner. Yeah. Um, you look at some of the, the, the micro stats and the, as well as some of the receiving snap stats, you just can't justify paying Saquon the same amount of money. So from the agent's perspective, if that's all you got and, and you say, well, you know, my client rush for more yards than McCaffrey. So he should be paid accordingly. If I'm the Giants, I'm saying, okay, Derrick Henry led the league in, you know, rushing yardage for two years. And you're saying that your client who has never done it should be paid more than Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. You know, but you put him in that, that bracket and you say, okay, look, Derrick Henry signed his contract. What? Two years ago, 2020, I think it was. You say, okay, we'll give it, we'll, we'll allow for inflation. We'll give you a bump up. Well, maybe throw some, you know, incentives in there, which, you know, if your client is, is, is a, if you think your client is McCaffrey status, yeah, we will throw some incentives in there that he should be able to reach. But I wouldn't sit there and say as a base 16 million you're, Yeah. I'll agree that because to me, that is too much for a guy who you figure you will sign for about three years. By the time he reaches the end of that contract, he's going to be 29. And he's taken a lot of wear and tear on his body. How many times did he force a missed tackle? That's gone down that number since his rookie year. Oh, yeah. And how many times has he been ankle tackled? Yeah. That's that's exactly what I kind of want to bring up in this whole thing. I think Saquon Barkley this year was a much better running back than he was, even in 2018, 2019. Now he was way more explosive. Way more explosive. I was mm-hmm. looking at some stats, like looking back to 2018. Uh, I was actually looking at this last night. He averaged on runs that he had on uh, runs that he had over 10 yards on. He averaged 25 yards per play. That's insane. That's insane stuff. Even like, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, who, you know, just who, who was who was up there in 2018 too, averaged like, 16, 17 yards per attempt on carries that he had over 10 yards. That's a game changer. Think back to that playoff game, to to the Eagle game. Remember that breakaway run that he had? He gets Mm -hmm. caught. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think 2018, 2019 Saquon Barkley gets caught like that. Yeah. I think Saquon did a much better job of being efficient this year. That was the main ask. The main ask of Saquon Barkley is to be efficient Take the hole, take the four or five yards when it's there and not go looking for the 20-yard play. But on the flip side of it, there were too many times where you kind of feel like, I feel like this could be a 20-yard gain here, I, which I hate to just critique him like this because it's not even like his fault, right. but it's just the reality of the situation right. where, hey, that same juice that you had 2018, 2019, I don't know if it's there. And if we're going to be paying... That running back, $12 million plus, and if it's and if it's especially if it's raining up the 16, which I'm not a fan of, that 2018-2019 Barkley needs to be there with the efficient Saquon Barkley. And as the years go on, I do not think that that is going to get better. I only think that's going to get worse. Yeah, and that's why I don't think he gets 16 mil. 12, 13, I would go no higher than 13. 
Yeah. Person and I, and like I said, I could see some incentives being thrown in there. Things that he should be able to reach, like you know, a, a likely to be earned incentive of ten touchdowns, which he did last year, ten mm-hmm. rushing touchdowns. You know, maybe throw in a not likely to be earned incentive of, okay, if you finish as the rushing yardage leader, which he was at times during you know during the season, didn't finish that way, but he showed that he could be up there. Those are ways that I think I would look to to build a, the contract for him. If I'm the Giants, this is what I would offer his agent. But, you know, is it going to be good enough? We're going to find out because, uh, you know, if that report is true about them wanting 16 mil like Christian McCaffrey, it ain't happening. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I, I'm pretty confident I could say that. Yeah, so, I'm with you. All right. So that said, Justin, we've gone through the contracts. Um I want to ask you uh, about Julian Love because that's another mm. guy who I think could go either way. Now, I look at Julian Love, great player, great locker room presence, great leader, but they drafted at that position. They have Dane Belton. They also brought on Jason Pinnock, who I thought played really well. I like him. Yeah. I could see the Giants, you know, if, if Love and the two sides don't, if they don't agree. I could see them moving off of him and saying, okay, you know what? We've got Pinnock, we've got Belton. Maybe they draft another guy, depending on, you know, how McKinney's hand comes along this offseason with his rehab. Do you think Julian Love is a, is a slam dunk to be back, or do you see them potentially moving off of him because of what I just said? He's certainly not a slam dunk. I think the way that we looked at Julian Love heading into the season is that Swiss Army knife. And I said every every good team has a lot of Julian Loves where it's kind of like this jack of all trades. He's not like he's not like a great player, but he's a good player, but he's not a bad player. You know, he can kind of fit in a corner. He can go with the free safety in the box, strong safety. He can kind of do whatever. And because he was a starter this year, and I think he played well, I think he kind of finished the season, had some mistakes, especially when McKinney was out playing a role that he's not used to playing. I really hope that whatever team he goes to next, whether it is the Giants or whether it's somewhere somewhere else, I really hope they can just put him in the box because that is where he really is at his best. But neither here nor there, I kind of do think the Giants can replace his production with whether it is Pinnock or whether it is Dane Belton. And Dane Belton, you know, that, that's, that's a draft pick that you are hoping can at least be what Julian Love was throughout his rookie deal, right? That's exactly kind of like what you're hoping Dane Belton can be. Not this kind of bona fide star, but a good solid player that you can have on your team that can kind of do whatever, whenever for you. Mm -hmm. So I do not think it's a slam dunk, especially. I think Julian Love played too well. (laughs) He played too well as a safety, where now instead of it being like a cheap cheap contract that we can get for like two or three years – you know, Julian Love may be looking for an extra year and he and there may be a couple more zeros attached to his uh, you know, to whatever he's asking. Yeah, I I, I think I think that's the same. You know, I agree with you. I, I am I'd be happy if he came back. Yeah. I am not gonna be surprised if he is not back. All right, Justin, final. Uh, I want to go into this final segment here and I want to talk about free agency versus the draft for the Giants' biggest needs. I'm just gonna rattle off a position. You tell me where you think the Giants will go to find a need or an mm-hmm. answer. And it could yeah. be both. It's it's up to you. Start off with cornerback. I have a question for you. What's that? Last year, and it ver- this very much does depend on my answer here. So you, your, your answer will depend on my <laughs> answer. Last year, you told me the Giants are probably going to cut James Bradbury. And I'm like, they can't. No, Patty. And I was I was like devastated to hear it. 
And you were right. They they eventually did. And it took them a couple months to do it, but they were eventually right. Adoree Jackson. Now they renegotiated they had a you know they they renegotiated the the contract this year. Here or gone, Adoree Jackson. Here. Here. I don't think they cut him. Okay. So the draft for corner, um, draft of free agency. I have this thing with free agency with corners. I'm willing to spend 40% of my, and this is not a joke. I'm willing to spend like 40% of my cap space on corners just because I feel like if you look in the NFL right now, so many corners that are signed via free agency or traded for whatever, and they're veterans, they're solid. Where drafting corners, especially on their rookie deals, it could be so fugazi. It's such a hard thing to do. I think Sauce Gardner is the exception to this rule. Like he was just such a freak and he fits so well in that jet system that I think he's just the exception to this rule. So I am going to go with, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with free agency here because this is what I would do. This is what I would do. Okay. All right. Receiver. Receiver draft. I am very much in favor of drafting Uh, a receiver. Based on the, the free agency class now, for sure. Yeah. And, and also trading, too. There are a lot of people who want to trade for a wide receiver. Depends. Depends. It, uh, it does depend, but let's just let's just use T. Higgins as the example. I think that's like the everybody's dream right now. You know, the thing with trading for T. Higgins is not only do you need to give up a high-value asset draft pick, but then you need to pay that receiver. Mm-hmm. I am very much in favor of drafting a receiver early, Having them for four, maybe five years if you draft them in the, in the in the first round, and then you have that fifth year option. Having that guy on the cheap for four or five for four or five years, and then you look to extend him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the the good teams really do that, and they do that well. Um, and right. you know, people take you know they take for granted how beneficial you know drafting a drafting a good players and then having them on the cheap for those 4 years people really do take for granted um especially when you talk about this wide receiver one debate do you trade do you draft do you sign so yep. i'm very much in favor of the draft agree linebacker linebacker this is i am i'm in favor of going out there and spending a little bit on linebacker this year yeah i am too um Jermaine i think Edmonds is a guy I, that i like I, I think don't think this, they'll get them, but right. But I think this free agency class has a has a decent amount of yep. linebackers. Um, I don't know if Wink Martindale if that's something that he prioritizes. But um, the, if the Giants do have the money, like you know, like I think they're going to have this if after whatever Daniel Jones's hit is, I am in favor of doing very similar to Blake Martinez giving yes. a giving a three year deal with an out after year two, yep. um, and and going that route. I'm I'm a very I'm a very big fan of that. All right, one more for you. And we didn't talk about the specific, well, we talked about it a little bit, but I've got one more for you. Interior defensive line depth. Mm. Draft. Yeah. Draft. Um, Leonard I, I, Williams, he's, he, he's, he's getting up there nine years. He's played, I think. Yeah. Um, had some injuries the last couple of years. Dexter, I think you resign. You know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they do Dexter this, this offseason, even though he's yeah. under contract for next year. Leonard's the guy, if you're going to extend him, which I think they will. I don't think he extend them for for more than three years. Yeah, I think Joe. The number one, the Giants just as a franchise are like defensive tackle you. So yeah, <laughs> that's number one. But even <laughs> but even like Joe Shane uh, and Joe Shane and Brandon Bean in Buffalo, they they did a solid job of finding interior guys um, as the years have kind of gone on, and the value of having that guy around for four years on a rookie deal 
on the cheap uh, is something that really does entice me. So um, they didn't, besides DJ Davidson, again, when you take guys in like the fifth, sixth, seventh round, I don't really consider that addressing addressing a need. I would like to see the Giants within the first four rounds this year get a defense interior defense alignment that um is big. Actually, you know what, you know what's I have a funny story from the senior bowl. So I'm gonna look up this guy's name. So Gerard Clark, interior defense alignment from Coastal Carolina. Uh he's 343 pounds. I think he was the biggest defense alignment at the senior bowl this past week. He had two really good back to back plays on one V ones. He goes back and I was capturing this on camera. I don't know really know why I was following him celebrating, but I did. Fist bumps one coach, works his way back to the kind of the back of the line where players are lining up. Fist bumps Wink Martindale. And Wink Martindale gives him a tap a, a, t- a tap on the back. Um, so Wink Martindale all week, when you talk about interior defense alignment for agency versus the draft, Wink Martindale all week was watching like a hawk the edge rushers and the interior defensive line. No surprise. Jerome Henderson, you know, obviously DB coach, he was down there too, which was really cool to see. Jerome Henderson watching the DBs, but Wink Martindale watching like a hawk all week. And even at one point, like I said, was right next to the players kind of, you know, talk, chatting it up with a few of them. So I will love that clip. I am I am rooting that the Giants draft Gerard Clark, interior defense alignment from Coastal Carolina, because that, that will be does the not fir- surprise me. That will be the first thing that I post of them fist pumping <laughs> each other. So uh, um, I'm rooting for that. So doesn't surprise me. They need the interior defensive line depth, and they yeah. could probably use some more edge rushers. I think, at any rate, yeah. because you know they got Thibodeau, Ojulari. If they could get Ojulari healthy, but beyond that, you know, if they bring back Jihad Ward, he's a spot guy. Ellerson Smith injured again. O'Shane Zimenez, I don't know if he's back. You can never have too many pass rushers. I That's say right. at any rate. So That's right. Justin, fantastic stuff. I really, really appreciate it. Um, it was great seeing you. We have to have you on more often, though. I feel like we only have you on like once a year. And I got to get you on more often because you're a numbers whiz. And I still want to do a show with you on numbers and stuff. So we got we'll to see about doing something down the line. We got it. Absolutely. Patty, thank you so much. And uh, we'll we'll chat soon. Absolutely. He's just in panic of talking Giants. That's going to do it for us, Giant fans. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Locked on Giants podcast. We have plenty more coming up this week as we continue our five-day-a-week show schedule. Don't miss it. We will see you again tomorrow.